I would really classify it as the world's best long form writer. So it writes like that 2,500 word inbound piece. It writes that it does the research for it. It does the formatting for it. It's got built-in grammar checking. It does plagiarism checking. So it's all of that inside of one app. You can literally run like your whole content process. Welcome to the AI for a Creative Entrepreneur show. I'm Kira Hug, co-founder of the Copywriter Club. And on this show, my co-host, Rob Marsh, and I focus on helping you stay ahead of the curve. We'll show you how to use AI to maximize your creativity, simplify your work in life, and reinvent your creative career so AI works for you, not against you. Join us as we explore the intersection of AI, creativity, and career. When we first started this podcast, it was because we knew that AI would be changing the game for creative business owners. We wanted to help our community, our membership, and our mastermind work through all the challenges and opportunities ahead. New technologies create new perspectives and new priorities, often overnight. And this week's guest definitely knows how to pivot and adapt. In fact, ex-agency owner and president of Content at Scale, Julia McCoy launched her eighth book, The Content Writer's Handbook, right after the launch of ChatGPT. In this episode, we dive into Julia's journey with AI, including her initial skepticism, before she explores a platform that led her to embrace AI's potential. But before we jump into that interview, this podcast is sponsored by our AI course, AI for Copywriters, which has more than 200 copywriters, content writers, and other creatives who have jumped into the course and learn how to use AI as a creative partner in their businesses. With access to this course, you can confidently use AI tools in your writing, in your research, and your strategic thinking without losing your distinctive voice and style and brilliance. It includes the 10 things you need to know before you write a prompt. It includes five modules to help you understand generative AI and ChatGPT, dozens of lessons and over-the-shoulder demonstrations so you can actually see how to use these different tools in action. It also has over 100 different tools that we keep updated so you can learn what's happening with the newest tools because there are thousands of them that come out every single week. And so you can find out what's working today for creatives. The most important thing is that this course is updated. We just actually updated it last week and we continue to keep it updated because this space is changing so fast. You also have the opportunity to get certified as a prompt engineer through this course. And so that's something that you can explore as well if that's important to you. You can get started with this course by going to thecopywriterclub.com forward slash AI4C. Okay, let's kick off our episode with Julia. Let's just jump in. I think a good place to start for me is your book. And we don't usually start with the book at the beginning of the episode, but what's interesting to me about your book, Content Writer's Handbook, Human and AI Writing Skills, is that you launched it. I don't know your launch timeline, but it came out right after ChatGPT took off. So you like just jumped in there and nailed it and got right in there 
perfect timing. And so I just kind of want to hear about the timeline, your strategy behind that, your thinking and approach, because it from the outside, it seems perfect. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm so glad to hear that. On the inside, it was a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very glad that was your perception that that warms my heart. Um, but no, funny story. I took all of 2022 to write that book. And at the time I was very much anti-AI. Like you can literally Google me on stage December 22 and find a talk where I said, do not rely on AI to write human content. They're like you need the human still. You don't, you shouldn't even touch AI. So that was me that year. So that whole book was 100% human writing, human writing concepts, teachings. And so in January of 2023, when I was doing my research yet again, to make sure that the AI hadn't come out yet, that was coming for my job. <laughs> Cause I was, I was like, okay, on one hand, I'm, you know, a big believer in human writing. I've studied it for 10 years, gotten good at it, seen what it can do, the power of that. But on the other hand, I'm like, GPT is here and the level of capability is unreal. So it was in the back of my mind. It's probably going to influence human writing. I just need to see it work. So in January, that's when I ran into continent scale. I found it through a affiliate blogger, Adam Onfroy's video. And when I saw it, I was like, they're building it. This is Skynet. I see it in front of me. I see all the tools. I see the tool stack that I use on a regular basis. I see what looks like Word. I see humanly formatted content and it's all done by AI. So I was mind blown as soon as I just saw that like sitting in front of me. I'm like, okay, I know this is going to change the world when it comes to content. So I talked to the founder, immediately asked him like, what's your plans for research? What about citations? What about linking to facts? And all these things I've been asking these founders over last year, but these VC company, uh, VC funded companies, a lot of them run by like college age kids. They did not have good answers for me. It was often like no answer at all, or, oh, that's not really a concern. Like, excuse me? As a writer, like fact-checking is so critical. <laughs> so those answers were not good enough. So this founder, Justin McGill, he comes from 20 plus years of doing SEO and content marketing. So his answer was, we actually have a feature being built for that. We have a real-time research feature coming to the tool, but it's not built yet. So you better double check your facts. So I was like, yes, the first honest and wise answer <laughs> I have heard to that question. And so like that, I got immediate buy-in as soon as I heard that. And then when I used the technology, what I saw in front of me was this capability to generate a 2,500 word post in under 10 minutes. And when I saw that, you know, it still needed editing, but it was like 90% there. And when I saw that, I'm like, okay, first of all, scared, a little terrified. This is what I did as a service. And I sold this for hundreds of dollars. And then secondly, how can I please jump on this train before it leaves? And I don't get to be a part of it. So I am always the optimist. I'm always like, how do I get ahead? How do I stay ahead? That's how I think. So fear didn't really stop me at all. <laughs> Instead, it was how do I adapt? So within a week of finding that tool, I was offered a job instead of a contract work position, which is what I wanted, pitched them a marketing plan, got hired as the VP that um, next week and started out. And then within three months by March, I was the president. So back to the book, we have this timeline of the book set to release on my birthday of February, 2023. And so I'm like, okay, we're 30 days away from publishing the book. My entire view 
has changed completely. <laughs> I now think that AI is going to help the human writer. I now think that it could augment what the human does by 10x. I now think that it might replace some generalized writing jobs. Uh, so hmm, what am I going to do with this book coming out in 30 days? <laughs> so I kid you not, like I spent the next few weeks leading up to that book launch instead of canceling the book launch I just stayed up late and started rewriting the book <laughs> and so when I say it was a hot mess like I was rewriting that book we redesigned the cover Kira you held it up on screen on the cover that robot hand used to be a human hand 30 days before the book was gonna come out so I rewrote the whole book changed the cover concept because I had found the AI like you know, and I think you two can relate. Everyone listening can too. We live in a real world as copywriters where if we don't produce content that convinces, converts, persuades, that person's gone and that client's gone. It's just not going to work. So when AI wasn't capable of that, I'm like, I can't get behind AI. My next book's not going to be about AI. But then when I found the AI tool that could actually augment and make my job 10 times more efficient, it would have been stupid, if not harmful, to release a book that said AI isn't there yet. You should do all this humanly. So changed the whole book. And then I got it done before the book came out. So it was a Herculean effort, you know, but I am very thankful. I had a great team alongside me that made that possible. So that's the story of the book. It's impressive. Uh, and I, I know we want to dive into a, a lot of the things that AI can help with content. But before we jump into all of that, I, just a quick question. What doesn't AI do well yet when it comes to content, copy, marketing? Well, in this process that I teach called AIO, I think Kira already has it on her LinkedIn. I'll share about that in a minute. Yeah. Yes. So in that process, I have this framework called CRAFT, and it really stands for what the human still needs to do, which is C stands for cut the fluff. AI is notorious, lots of jargon, lots of fluffy ways of saying things that we as humans are a lot better at whittling that down when we have the experience. And this is where, you know, I think we're going to see such a big divide between the generalized writer that's just jumping in it for the money and some quick overnight income versus the actual talent that's been doing this for a while, building their skills. That talent just got 10 times more valuable. Like the power of what they know is now what we need with the AI machine. But the main piece that I see is personal experience. Like that is just something AI is not good at disseminating. It's not good at retelling. It's not good at, at instilling that really into the copy, like that story element that is such a human thing still. And I think you can prompt AI, you can get it to tell the story. And sometimes I've seen like even consonant scales output be so good. It's like, did Julia write that? No, I didn't. What? So yes, we're there with AI, but that personal experience, like that's something you still, even if you're prompting AI and what to say, you're still needed in that process. AI is not good. It's a robot, right? It can't talk about its feelings. So that's something that we can do really well is that story element. I am curious what else you pivoted into when you bought in and you're like, I'm going to jump on this train, you know, and you kind of shifted your whole mindset. You became president very quickly of an AI <laughs> platform and growing company startup, which is very cool. Um, what else did you do in your own 
agency and and more of your service provider role that shifted since then? So that's a great question because the first thing I actually did was I took content at scale and I gave it to my content team at Content Hacker. And I asked them, go use this in your process. And our process is specifically blogging, email writing. So it's content is, it's our, it's life. It's how we sell, how we position, how we pull in leads. It's everything. So when I gave it to my writer, you know, it was, it was on a Friday and I remember waiting like all day, is this going to help you or is it going to hurt you? And then by the end of the day, she's like, Julie, this is going to save me seven hours per block. So when I heard that, I was like, okay, we're going to start to use this for our process. We're going to start to use it for everything we do. And that's what I began to do. So all of the blog content we did, we three X our output. We did three times more blogs per week than we normally would without it. So we were able to accelerate like how much traffic we started to get. And then what I started being able to do whenever I joined Continent Scale and then consulted, helped through my role, all of our agencies, like that is a big market, agencies, freelancers. What I saw them do was able to kind of make this their core writer. And then their writing team was redistributed around it. And the output just accelerated like crazy. Like they were able to onboard 50,000, 50, we have one agency story, $50,000 in new business per month, because now the writer's using the AI to output all this content they didn't know how to do before that AI actually does better and they can bring in more clients without breaking because the AI is like that core provider. So it's really life-changing whenever you see the possibilities here. Now, earlier you mentioned the skills that writers bring in addition to writing the words that are so important. And you're just talking about how you had to redistribute the writers around the core production of copy. Let's talk about that. What are the new roles that writers are filling as opposed to words on paper? Like what do they have to bring to the table in order to be effective? Mm, great question. Well, I think strategy is going to get way more valuable. I think knowing um, you know, how to build out a content strategy, topical authority, how to just guide clients there. So like, I can't stress, like watch YouTube videos, start building your skill sets, take the courses on those elements because clients will need that knowledge more than ever. You know, it's just, we're changing so much. There's this dramatic shift in, we don't need to sit here and write a ton of words anymore. We really can trust that to AI and then just refine the output. So strategy, critical editing, you know, bringing down all of that jargon to be more specific to the reader. And then like back to storytelling, you know, storytelling that is critical. That's an element in your writing skills. You should be building, study the best copywriters, learn from them. But just think about like going beyond that writing. How do you expand? How do you do strategy? How do you consult that client for website growth, how to launch a social media campaign, like all the strategy pieces, because then you really build value into what you do and you become less of that writing commodity, which GPT can potentially do a better job because it has access to hundred billion data points and that's going to exponentially increase. So if you remove that commodity component and you really build more research strategy, knowledge around marketing and how to do good marketing, that really makes you more of like that Swiss army knife where, you know, they can't fire you because you're so valuable. So let me follow that up then. Let's say that I do bring those skills to the table. I've built those for myself, developed them. I'm getting better at them. 
now, how do I make sure that that's that I'm injecting that into working with ChatGPT? How do I make that work together? Mm, yes, yes. So learning some prompt engineering is going to be critical. I think knowing the right tools and then telling your clients, okay, these are the AI tools that I use that I recommend we put into your workflow and I will teach you and your team how to do it. That's something that I've been doing in continent scale, my role here, like I'll step into an agency and I'll show them how to actually use continent scale and take their writing team and situate it around it. So it's like, you got to know how to run that tool. You got to know how to edit the output. You have to know how to navigate all the steps of what you put into the AI. So that specifically is something I think you want to start marketing to your clients. Like I know the right AI tools to bring into your business. And I can leave you with the whole process on how to run those tools. It could be me, could be somebody else you hire. And then you just charge like a consulting fee, make that like a whole package. But that is something that's really valuable right now. I can't tell you the amount of agencies that are kind of like sticking their hands up going, help me, help me find the right AI tools and help me teach my team how to use them. But that's a whole new offering that we wouldn't even think about offering a year ago. It wasn't even popular, but now you put that on your website, you put that on social media. This is what I do. A AI consulting package, people, agencies, teams, corporations, they need that. That is hot right now. Yeah. And I love that because rather than hiding from it, which we've had conversations on this podcast about like, Ooh, do I even talk to my clients about using AI tools or do I just keep it quiet? Uh, but this is doing the opposite. It's like, yes, it's using it as a marketing engine to say, I use these tools. I'm trained to use these tools. I can use them to help you with these deliverables to solve this problem. And I can also train, maybe train some of your team members to use them so that you can do all these things moving forward. Yes. I mean, we're entering the age of AI. We have to think about that. And the buy-in, you know, I read a research report by IBM this August of 2023, and it found that 80% of executives are looking to augment their team's jobs right now. 87%, that's a huge amount of executives. So if you come in, you teach their team how to do this effectively, like that is something you can really count on and scale, I think not just now, but in the years to come. So let's talk about content at scale. You mentioned it and like, what is this platform? What is this tool that you fell in love with that does seem miraculous in many ways? Uh, almost <laughs> good to be true. When I was looking at the website, I was like, it couldn't possibly do all these things. But can you talk about what this is and how we can use it as writers? Yes. Yeah, so Continent Scale is, I would really classify it as the world's best long form writer. So it writes like that 2,500 word inbound piece. It writes that it does the research for it. It does the formatting for it. It's got built-in grammar checking. It does plagiarism checking. So it's all of that inside of one app. You can literally run like a, your whole content process now. And as of we're, we're chatting in September, 2023, keyword research just came out a week ago, which is a feature where you can actually do all your keyword research assemble your topic clusters right there in the tool and then generate the content with the same click of a button. And so you have your entire pipeline now inside that one tool. And it really does sound too good to be true. Like to be able to do this at the click of a button, it's interesting because there are SEO forums I'm in or I hear about, and it's like, 
the marketing claim I'll tell you is so crazy that people don't even want to try it, which is wild. Like if you could decrease your time and your labor down to the click of a button, why wouldn't you? So it's interesting that that fear alone of that marketing claim holds people back from, from experiencing what is a revolutionary thing because you can do that. And, you know, I think the features that this app in particular has, which is more of a platform even than an app because it's evolving so much, is the ability to do that plagiarism checking, originality checking, AI detection. You know, it's one of the only softwares where that's built in where you really can verify the integrity of your content, which is really important with AI. Like it's easy to just, I see why people hate click of a button because it's easy to go to ChatGPT and think you have something great. Again, like we talked about the writers that don't have writing skills. So if you're using ChatGPT and you're not a writer and you think you have good marketing content and then you put it out on your website and you get nothing, no clicks, no results, no conversions. Well, you just lost a lot of time and, and we're set back drastically. So that's like the bad side of AI, but the good side is, and it sounds crazy, but it really is in tools like content scale that are upholding something that's backed by, well, Hey, you can still check for plagiarism inside of our tool. You can still check for AI detection. And it might come back that you need to edit some things like this isn't foolproof. So the fact that it has all of that baked in as native features and um, the technology itself, I'll explain it a little bit is a stack of three different LLMs. So one of them is GBT4 and they're all working to output the most human-like language. So it's really proprietary with that particular stack and how it's built. And it took them a year. You know, this is bootstrap. Justin hasn't taken any VC funding. So it's really been the customers that have invested in the product. And, you know, we all know that customer life, they're going to tell you it's terrible. We get surveys, you know, it's like every now and then, oh, it broke. Somebody's angry. But you actually can build the right type of product whenever you're listening to your customers. And that's also what Continent Scale does really well. So Julia, I'm curious, um, you used to do, well, you still do, you know, like this content planning strategy, putting together, you know, all of that stuff. Uh, obviously not how to push the button. Now, when you push the button and you get this output, how close is it too good. You mentioned sometimes, you know, it's it's not all the way there. It requires some editing or some thought that goes into it. Is it 70% there? Is it 90% there? Like what do you, and I know you're inside the company. So, you know, maybe it's a slightly rosier view. I don't know. I, I'm going to trust that you're going to tell us the truth, but how close is it really? Well, I can tell you that depends on several variables, right? So if you're in a new industry, if you're in something that's very innovative, I've seen it not work well, where, for example, it might describe AI detection. It was doing this in March when that had just, it was only three months old, that particular technology. It was describing it as a home security system. So, <laughs> so if you're using it to describe something that's very new, like it won't do a great job. You're going to have to do a lot more editing. So think about the topics you're using it for, and it's going to do a great job with something that's more timeless, more generalized, more educational, valuable, helpful, that kind of thing, like writing a guide. You know, I've seen content scale just kill it where I couldn't actually do a better job at assembling the baseline draft. And that's also how you want to think of it. Like this is not published ready most of the time. It is that baseline draft that you get to work from and perfect. 
And so when when we do that, you know, we're talking about the baseline draft and it's going to save us, say, seven hours or 10 hours. I'm curious how you've applied this in your own uh, content business. Do you give that value back to the clients or are you just billing for that? Like, how does that change your pricing and the value relationship with uh, how you're working with your clients? Yes. Yes. That's a great question. Um, well, I have consulted agency owners, freelancers that have had the same question, um, sold this myself, but not as much, right? Since I run content skills, marketing team, run those divisions now. But what I've done whenever I've consulted agency owners here is I tell them, don't decrease your price, just stack more value. So learn more strategy or onboard somebody that's amazing at strategy, give them that experience. That's what I would do versus like just diminish that cost. Cause Decreasing cost, it kind of positions your business in not the best light, even if you think of it in a good way, like, oh, I'm passing that cost on to my customer. It's great. They're saving. But what it does is it, oh, okay, well, you're revolving around the cost of your deliverable. And that's not ever how you want to position yourself. You want to position yourself much higher than that. Like I am an expert. I'm a consultant. I'm a provider that knows their stuff and therefore I should be valued for it. So just value stack and something that um, there was a agency owner in Canada, Nancy, I was helping and, you know, we broke it down to, I think it was $470 per post that she was going to charge, but what she was doing, and that was with continent scales, AI, which is like a $15 cost. So the profit margin on that is beautiful, but what she was going to do to pass the value on to the client without diminishing cost was she was going to go in and do a much deeper strategy for them. And that strategy would equal tens of thousands of dollars, maybe hundreds of thousands in leads. Cause that was a real estate agent that could net, you know, one lead could be a six figure commission. They were luxury homes in Canada. So that's how I would position it. So how do I get that customer more in value? How do I add another marketing facet to this deliverable so that they get something they can use that goes beyond just content. And that's why I like strategy, right? Doing more of that for your client could be dividends of ROI for that client. So that's how I would think versus cutting costs. I would now um, have an amazing profit margin, please. <laughs> and just do more value stacking, do it that way. You'll succeed. Okay. I'm going to just poke a couple holes in it just because I have, I will kind of do this for me. Um, I guess one of them is let's say, you know, every writer hears about this tool from this podcast, which would be amazing. And we're all using it. Then do mm -hmm. we become commodities because we're all using the same tool to produce similar content from the same platform? And how do you address that? Like I can already think of other ways to address it as a more personality driven copywriter. I could see using the tool as the first edit and then layering, you know, my voice or the voice of the client on top of that and then delivering this product that they couldn't get anywhere else, right? I could say you can't get this anywhere else. What are other creative ways you've seen um, agencies or writers or marketers use this so that it feels like it is still unique to them? Um, and it do, they don't become commodities, if if that makes sense. Yes, definitely. Well, I think your example of like, you know, whenever you're delivering it, there's <clears throat> some Kira that goes into it. So they experience like that flavor, that personality that you have, it's unique and different. 
And so like, that's the critical piece. Like what the client is getting shouldn't feel like content at scale. No, 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 you're doing it wrong. It should feel like you. So when you deliver that, how do you deliver that? What do you inject into that content? Maybe you have this unique SOP that you follow that gets them content delivered with a lead magnet or that content upgrade piece or that extra piece of content strategy that they can't get anywhere else. So whatever that piece is like that really needs to reflect you, your mission statement, what you stand for. Maybe Kira only does things, uh, projects that she can infuse personality into. Maybe she only serves certain markets. So that should be another piece of this is like, how do I niche down and deliver something outstanding? So again, like, yes, if every writer walks away and uses content at scale, it's like the baseline rough draft. That's great. Like that. I don't think that that shifts really anything because if you think about it, like we've outsourced since the beginning of time, we're just now outsourcing to AI. So <laughs> is it any different, but how do we actually deliver it? And are we putting our stamp on it? Are we sticking to our niche? Are we serving clients in an amazing way where they're like, I can't get that for anyone else. I can only experience that with Kira. So if you create that in your business and your deliverables, not just deliverables, like it comes down to the calls you have with your clients. Like what's the actual experience that they're getting? Are they getting like coached and consulted through things that, you know, I have people that would come to me and they're like, well, I feel like giving up, you know, I'm experiencing this in my business right now. So I would spend 30 minutes getting them out of that funk. Well, I was a mindset coach and I just became 10 times more valuable. <laughs> so what are the things you can do to raise that client experience? That's something I would ask at every point. When you think about uh, this tool in particular, content at scale, what are the limits? So it's optimized for that sort of middle range content, somewhere around 2000, 2,500 words, uh, blog post type stuff. Can I write a book? Uh, it, you know, does it do tweets? Like where, you know, where's the breakage on uh, this kind of, um, well, the, the way that the tool performs? Yeah. So right now content scale is great at long form. Like it's not baseline draft that you would normally take, you know, my writer needed eight hours to create that in the past. So now we can do that in 10 minutes with this tool. Um, but right now, like it doesn't do the short form, the email, very well. Like I use chat to be T for that, for email copy headlines, um, short little pieces. Like if I need a newsletter name idea, I'm going to chat GBT. But that said, um, as of December of this year, that will shift. <laughs> Continent scale will have all new features built inside the platform where you can actually do all of your long form plus your short form. So that's coming. I have to say in, in a few more months, you'll probably get to experience it. Okay. All right. Great. And let's talk about the AIO writer, which is funny because I didn't know until I read, read your book that you came up with that terminology, but someone had mentioned it in our copywriter accelerator program during one of our coaching calls with the group. And they were like, oh yeah, I heard about this. And I was like, that's amazing. I'm going to put that on my LinkedIn profile. And had no idea that that came from you, which is so fun. So can you talk about what it is and how you see this shift from copywriter, content writer to AIO writer or AIO marketer, or um, what does that look like? So the reason we came up with AIO, and I say we, because it was really 
me and the continent scale team, like once I saw the technology got close to the team, I'm like, okay, roles are going to shift. What are they going to be now? And so like, we literally brainstormed a group of us and then it was on a weekend, we came up with AIO and then we're like, that's it. So the idea behind AIO is um, instead of thinking, okay, I'm the human writer, I'm doing everything myself from scratch. Like that is the exponential shift in the room we're talking about. Like that is no longer going to be how we do work, how we do content. Like your production process is going to start with AI because it's 10 times more efficient. So it's a no brainer. So it's like going from tilling the field with our hands to the tractor. Like everyone's going to adapt. It'll just be a matter of time. So the AIO approach is reflective of what the human will be doing, which is that, oh, so the optimization piece, like we still really, really need a human at the end of this machine, driving it, optimizing that content, making the output better. Because right now AI is, is still limited. And even, you know, even whenever it is amazing, like we still need a human operating it like that need won't go away so that's where that came from and what is the new opportunity let's just with your platform for us as writers something that maybe we couldn't offer before I feel like you know I'm not a content writer necessarily I don't offer that to my clients but with your platform you know I'm partially thinking well maybe I throw that service together and that becomes part of a larger package or it becomes a retainer I can offer where I layer on again, like you said, my, my signature personality, whatever it is, my style to the content, but it's something I never thought about before. And now I'm like, well, why would I not offer that? So are there other use cases we should be thinking about as service providers and small business owners? So I think like something um, you've done which is like putting this in the LinkedIn headline, putting this in your service lineup. Like I'm now doing AIO writing. That's a great first step here. It's like, well, let me test the waters because we're still in what is really a new zone. Like this is AI. Like it, it's funny because I've been in it for, um, since January, it feels like decades, but it's still like, it's so new. So we're at a place where we can really experiment with how to actually position this and put it in front of clients. So that's what I really encourage writers to do is like play with this, see how it fits into your process, but go ahead and start saying that you are in this frontier because that will really position you to get the right kinds of gigs, the right kind of clients, like clients that want efficiency that are looking for this in their process. So building that into like your LinkedIn headline, the website content, the packages that you have, you know, I do AIO writing, but maybe your approach is with brand personality or a questionnaire where I get to know you, your process, your subject matter experts. I interview them. I put that into the AI content. So whatever is like important to your client, think through that. And especially if you're in a unique industry, like a technical industry, that subject matter expertise is going to matter a lot to that end client. So what if you like went and did a phone interview with that SME and then put that into the content? Well, that's your AIO process. So your AIO process can be specific to what that client needs. Whenever you're optimizing the O, you're optimizing the AI written content. 
So I wonder what our baseline is here. And the reason I'm asking this question um, is I, I look back at, you know, the early 2010s-ish when CRO, conversion rate optimization, you know, was started really being used. Some people adopted the title without a whole lot of background in how to optimize conversion rates. Uh, something similar, I think, has happened with the term conversion copywriter, where a lot of people have adopted that term for themselves, but they don't actually write conversion-focused copy, or they're not that great at persuasion. They've, they've maybe taken on this title. What should the base minimum skill set be if I'm going to call myself an AI optimizer, what should I be able to do? I think Rob is saying that I shouldn't have that title on. I'm not list. saying that at all, but <laughs> but saying, maybe. Pull it down, Kira. But if what you share changes Kira's <laughs> ideas here, that wouldn't be. Oh, a bad I'm thing not either, taking so, it down, no. but I mean, yeah. What's what's the baseline? That's a great question. Well, I think um, first of all, knowing how to explain that, right? So that's step one. Like optimizing AI content. I understand that concept. I grasp that concept, like listening to this podcast, you know, following content hacker, that is my brand. It's going to evolve a lot because I'll share, it'll be public news this week. So it's safe to share, <laughs> but um, content hacker got acquired by content scale. So we're merging these brands. Content hacker is going to turn into this mega platform where we teach and we really help people. We're going to have live events, community. A lot of it will be free. So you can actually go there, contactacker.com and learn a lot about this. So definitely like learn as much as you can and then know how to explain it. Like, you know, I'm an optimizer of AI content. That means that I use a special process where I humanly edit this content and get it ready for production. And, you know, the big question that we've seen over and over, we have over a thousand users at Content at Scale. Over and over, we see people that are serving this to their clients. They get asked, Okay, well, they, like their clients don't mind that they're using AI like over and over. They've been shocked at how much clients actually don't mind. But the question they get from these clients is, are you going to still edit it? Are you going to make sure that it's good before it goes out? So that is a very simple premise of what AIO is. It's you being that checkpoint before that content goes out. Even if you used AI to write 90% of it, like you're still humanly checking it. And that just gives that client, that publisher, a lot of peace of mind that, you know, let's say they're a Fortune 500 company, their reputation is going to go down the toilet. If one terrible fact, terribly incorrect fact leaks out because AI wrote it. <laughs> so your role could be as simple as editing one fact and you've like, you've saved the day. You've done your job as an AIO, or this, it could be as in depth as you're infusing a lot of story. Yeah. This feels like where copywriters, content writers actually really need to be instead of giving up because, oh, AI is mm -hmm. going to replace us. It's like, actually, as we shift into, as we were talking about earlier, strategic thinking and that kind of thing, the role becomes less, again, putting words on paper and more making sure that the words on the paper are the words that are going to connect with your audience, that are going to sell the thing, that are going to do that. And I think if AI causes a content explosion, really what it's doing is also causing a an explosion of opportunity and need for additional content writers and copywriters to be able to do that thing. Yes. I think the forecast has been like, there will be 90 million jobs that are created from this boom. So it's, it's huge. You know, there's, I think they're saying a hundred million writing jobs are going away, but here comes 90 million new jobs, maybe more from the AI explosions. That's a great point, Rob. So shifting to our roles as maybe thought thought leaders or experts, 
whatever you want to call it. I will not call it a guru, but <laughs> so you just did by saying that. I know. You just, yeah. I know. Um, for how can we be more prolific using AI and maybe specifically your platform or just AI in general? You are a prolific writer. Rob and I were chatting about you earlier and we're like, how she's amazing. And I have all the, the numbers in front of me as far oh. as, you know, you've, you've posted or published a thousand blog posts, 10 years of writing, eight books, plus one every year, 40,000 content <laughs> projects for client. Like it's crazy. And um, so you're prolific to begin with. And what do you see as the opportunity for us as these entrepreneur, visionary thought leaders with AI so that we can be more prolific if we, if we desire that. Yes. Well, that's a huge, huge angle to think about um, because, you know, in 2021, I sold that writing agency that did 40,000 plus projects. Uh, we were crazy. We had a hundred human writers. We were doing like 300, sometimes a thousand projects every month. So definitely insane. Sold that in 2021. And then in 2022, I consulted coach full-time and what I found myself doing that year was encountering a lot of entrepreneurs that were true thought leaders, but the world just didn't know that because they didn't know how to create content. They didn't know the first thing about a content strategy. They didn't know how to connect their thoughts to the world. They didn't, they were overwhelmed just by the idea of content creation. Because if you type that into Google, there's millions and millions and millions of tools. And now there's millions more with AI. So the opportunity here is really interesting because I think like, especially if we shift into the optimizers of the AI machine and we essentially like drive that tractor that's now here and available to us and it's the future of content. So if we get in the driver's seat and we help teach all these entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and we show them there's a better way now to create content. It's faster. It's more efficient. It's potentially better than hiring an army of human writers because it can formulate, assimilate content in a better way. And I've heard people using, I've heard writers using content at scale say, you know, this thing assembled facts I didn't know existed. And that's the power of AI. Like it can go so deep into its data points that a writer, we just don't have a hundred billion data points swimming around in our head. And if we did, we'd be too overwhelmed to properly categorize it. AI can do that. So the opportunity here is we can really help these people who are experts, thought leaders. They have true knowledge in what they do. Maybe they've been doing it for 15 years. We can help them get their content into the world because we can help them do it 10 times faster. Or if it's not faster, 10 times more efficient, where you're hiring far less humans and you're relying on one AIO to drive the AI machine and get it out so much quicker. So the obstacle of, I'm a thought leader. I've been doing this thing for 20 years. It's a niche thing. Nobody knows about it. That obstacle where they're just too overwhelmed to do content that I saw over and over last year, I really think the obstacle is removed. And the more AIOs get on the scene and offer services and do this as a service, the more we're going to see these thought leaders come out of the woodwork because, oh, I can use AI now and just get content out in a matter of you know, we're looking at 3000 word posts done in 10 minutes it used to take over a week. Some writers that I hired needed two weeks and I can see why like that's a lot of work. So if we reduce that obstacle and the efficiency of it down to just minutes, you know, it's really like, there's no excuses left 
for that thought leader to embrace content creation as their vehicle. Yeah, I love that. And before we talk about, you know, what excites you the most and also what scares you the most, because we like to ask everyone <laughs> that. So if you want to think that's about gonna that. That's going to be my, that's my okay, part is yeah, we'll the, the, the dark side. The dark side. We've got to talk about the dark side. But before that, I just have a, more, a couple of business questions because you mentioned you went from having a conversation with the founder of uh, Content at Scale and then maybe looking for a contract gig or a project to work with them and partner with them on to moving into a VP role to then moving into the role of president. I'm, I think this could apply to people listening because there are opportunities to partner with the expertise that we have as writers to find these technology companies and partner. So I'm just curious, like, how did that come about? Were you looking for that type of partnership? And do you have any advice for creatives, writers listening who may be seeking a bigger opportunity like that? Yes. Well, I think just knowing that AI itself is such an opportunity. So that means, you know, any business that's either investing in it, building in it, launching a product in it, (laughs) Loom just added a generative AI suite to their, all their tools. Any one of those companies is like the company I would cold pitch. If you're like, okay, I'm an AIO and I'm now going to pitch my next 10 companies. So tell these companies investing in AI or building an AI product, you know, I know how to use AI to create content, create it faster. And for me, like the opportunity, I wasn't necessarily looking for it, but what happened was it was such a perfect alignment with what I'd been doing for 10 years. So, you know, if you're going to pivot, think about a pivot like that. For me, what it came down to was which company is it I'm going to believe in the most. And for a whole year, I didn't find any, you know, there was some I did contract work for that I will not name that are funded and run by some very young kids in college and these well-funded companies, they're launching crap products. And I'm just like, as a serious marketer, entrepreneur of 10 years, like I can't get behind this. I would not accept a role no matter how highly it was paid. And I just, I couldn't really wake up in the morning and enjoy that at all. If it's a crappy product. So for a whole year, it was not aligned. And that's, that was one thing that was important to me, but holding on and waiting for that AI technology that was building the next thing. So that could be a very, very dramatic move. It's like you asking the same thing, like which AI company is doing my job, but doing it better. (laughs) Let me go work for them be a part of the team. Because what happened is I can tell the product team, the founder, the marketing team, all the things I know from 10 years of doing content. Well, that makes that product 10 times more valuable. So, whoa, you know, so that's why I think I was so valued so quickly at this company. Like it wasn't that I knew how to build a product. It was literally that content writing experience that made me so valuable. So that could be something where you are a consultant, you know, maybe you get a job like I did and it works out really well. Because in 2022, um, coaching, consulting, you know, that's a hard gig, like it's up and down. And I had a baby that year. So a steady paycheck, I'll tell you, was pretty attractive. And that's something that I don't think you hear enough about. I think it's, it's put on a pedestal to be an entrepreneur and I'm not against entrepreneurs. I still am one. Um, but like, there's no shame at all in going for that study gig, even if it looks like a J-O-B. <laughs> so I will put that out there because that's what happened to me this January. It's like, oh, here's a job, Julia, do you want it? The last thing I would ever think would be good for me. And it turned out to be incredible for me. 
So look for opportunity. It might surprise you, but it could look like something you never thought would happen. And it could be really good. Yeah. Being open to everything or anything is, is not a bad approach to most of life. So Julia, I'm always the one that goes dark. What are you worried about AI? Like what scares you? Maybe it's out. I mean, it could be outside of the content slash copywriting world, but even within this world that we inhabit, uh, what's the thing that kind of keeps you up at night? Well, um, it's funny. Uh, we have some incredible partners at Continent Scale, like people that are behind some of the biggest numbers in the world when it comes to blogging revenue. And when we all talk, it's like we talk about Skynet, right? Because like the things that are in the Terminator, that are in the Matrix, all of which I may have watched again this year. <laughs> yes, I did. So I could see, hmm, did that really happen? It's terrifying because it looks like in some ways, these things that were portrayed in all these movies are coming true. Like when you literally watch the matrix, that first movie, the, the whole timeline, the death of humanity started with the birth of AI. So like, whenever you think about, okay, what's the fear here? Well, I think that is the fear that most people have. And I hear it all the time from incredibly smart people. It's like, well, could this thing like infiltrate um, technologies and could it infiltrate power supplies and like turn things off and literally go rogue. And so that is like the fear, right? But I think what I get to see on the inside of consonant scale and LLMs as they're built, manipulated, you know, a lot of this technology, it's predictive. And whenever we think about the movies and the Skynet we forget like how the technology works. And really it's just predicting the next best thing. It's not creating. And we have that power as humans. Like we have the power to create, the AI doesn't. Yes, it can generate, it can predict, it can replicate and it can do that so well. You think it's doing it at the level of a human because it is, it's matching that level. But we have to remember that we are really the only creators and that's not going to change. So I think the fear, there's a lot of fear and it's ungrounded. Um, for me, the, the fear is for sure is like the world my kid's going to live in. I have a nine-year-old and one-year-old, like what is that world going to look like? So for me, like we prioritize, you know, a lot of outdoor time, even though I work in AI, like we get outside in the sunshine, we remind ourselves what's real about life. So that's something like I just try to balance is, you know, there's so much fear here about, about where it could go, but in the end, it is a technology it's built with patterns. Those patterns are going to get better and better. Um, but it's really important. I think that we as humanity don't get so attached that it becomes more important than stepping outside with our family then. So really in the end, what I'm saying is it's up to us. We can let the machines overtake us <laughs> and we can get stupid and rely on them too much, or we can become like the AIO, the optimizer, the driver of it, and still prioritize the right things. Yeah, I love how I ask you a negative question and you're turning it positive. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't leave it dark. Good. We don't want to leave it dark at the end. We want to leave it on a slightly positive note. because so I think it is, it's a weird, um, you know, idea to grapple with. It's like the fear, but then the next day it's like also the excitement when you learn about these new tools and what it could do for humanity and what it can do for businesses. It's also really exciting. And so it's just this back and forth. Yes. And I'm the optimist, right? That's what I see in life. Like life has dealt me a really tough 
card. Like if you know my story, I grew up in a cult for 21 years. It was dark. It was oppressive. It was abusive. I escaped in the middle of the night when I was 21. So like uh, more than anyone else, I, I have a reason to be the pessimist and the person in the room that's like, oh, life is dark. Like life is terrible because life was for 21 years. But being out of it now for 11 years, what I've seen is life is really what we make it. And we forget that we get lost in our own, what others have said about us, the boxes they've put us in, what we've heard about ourselves, we get lost in that. And we forget we actually have the power to invent ourselves from the ground up. So that's like the important thing here is like, we're living in an incredible time where we can take advantage of an incredible technology that's literally the fastest adaptive technology in the world. There's no other technology that's been adapted this quickly. We're living in those times. We can take advantage of that, drive that machine, make our lives better, create more profitable, leaner businesses. So somebody that escaped a cult who has a reason to be a super pessimist is not. So <laughs> take that as encouragement. And now can we have another hour so I can ask you all my questions? <laughs> about your cult uh that'll be part two we'll have let's part do two, it uh on the copywriter club so many questions but um as we wrap up let's talk about where we can access your platform and your tool and content at scale and like what it means to even get started do we need to apply i think i'm maybe i play, applied this week and how much does it cost? Just kind of all the nitty gritty details that we should know. So um, right now it's subscription based starts at 250 a month for eight posts, but I'll tell you all that's changing as of November, um, October, November timeline. So we're going to have all new plans that are structured to more the writer that's reskilling. I actually have a plan called reskilled writer that starts at 79 a month. So we'll have some price points that are much better for, you know, the mass um, population of writers, creators, publishers that are looking to start and just like get their hands on this technology versus let me commit. I have the strategy. Um, I have everything I need. You know, we know a lot of people coming to this technology don't, they don't have all that. They're still learning. So our goal is to be like one of the leading brands out there that not only has the technology, but guides you through the use of it. And that's the purpose of Content Hacker merging with continent scale now, becoming a place where people can really go and feel at home, learning basically how to be a content hacker, the next generation of content creators. So contenthacker.com, it'll change a lot. Continentscale.ai, it'll change a lot. <laughs> Stay tuned with our journey. And October, November this year, we'll have plans that I think will be a lot more suited to this audience of writers. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much, Julia, for sharing uh, more about the shift in the space and sharing a positive outlook that I know I often need. And so it's just so many ideas of how we can rethink what we're offering in our businesses with tools like yours. So thank you. Thank you, Karen, Rob. This is a the best conversation all year. I love the questions. I love how you poke the holes. <laughs> we need more people that are going to do that. Like, gently poke them. the holes. <laughs> I love it. All right, we want to thank Julia McCoy for joining us on the podcast to talk about how writers can position themselves as AI optimizers, which is something that I pulled directly from Julia without even knowing it. And so I was glad to finally connect the dots and realize that 
Julia kind of came up with the terminology and I'm now using it on my LinkedIn profile because I believe in AI optimization and want to really lean into it in my business as a copywriter and strategist. So thank you, Julia, for that idea. And if you want to connect with Julia and learn more about content at scale, you can check out the link below this episode. Once again, if you want to jump into our AI for Copywriters course, you can go to thecopywriterclub.com forward slash AI for C. That is the end of this episode of AI for Creative Entrepreneurs, a Copywriter Club podcast produced by Brandon Burton. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please leave a review of the show. You can leave it on any podcast app, or if you're catching this on YouTube, like the video, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment, all the things, you know, all the things give us a little boost and help spread this show. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.